Welcome to the Imperial Many Minds podcast from Imperial College Business School. I'm your host, Dr. Omar Merlo, Associate Dean of External Relations at the Business School. On this podcast, we share conversations between our expert faculty and global alumni network in business. From the role compassion can play in the business world, to the economics and finance of climate change, from digital transformation to sustainable development and social responsibility, our diverse minds are tackling the questions that matter. At Imperial College Business School, our unique strength is the ability to gather a diverse range of experts. This gives us a broader, deeper, and more cohesive view of the challenges society demands business take a lead on and enables us to design more expansive and groundbreaking solutions. On the Imperial Many Minds podcast, the world's top academics and industry experts will help you find the ideas, skills, and confidence to make better decisions, whether that's in relation to your business or your career. Are you ready to join today's meeting of minds? The theme for this episode is digital transformation. More often than not, businesses need to adapt to continue offering solutions to their customers. COVID accelerated the digital transformation for many organizations, but we're still in the early stages of understanding the transformative potential of these technologies. If you want to know how digital transformation can help you and your business stay competitive, you are in the right place. Let me introduce you to our guests, Chris Tucci and Chen Lang Chan. Chris Tucci is a professor of digital strategy and innovation and academic director of the Center for Digital Transformation at Imperial College Business School. He teaches courses in deep tech acceleration, design thinking, digital strategy, and innovation management. His primary area of interest is in how companies make transitions to new business models, technologies, and organizational forms. Our guest alumnus for this first episode is Chen Lang Chan, head of digital operations at AXA Partners in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. She completed our executive education course, Digital Transformation, Five Game-Changing Technologies for Business, in 2021. Cheng Lang is a results-driven professional with hands-on experience steering the strategic direction for technical projects, developing contingency plans, and aligning operational activities with organizational goals. During their conversation, Chris and Chen Lang emphasized the importance of setting the right expectations, timelines, and budget to establish realistic goals for a company's successful transformation. They also provide their thoughts about common mistakes that occurred during the implementation of a digital transformation and advice on how to avoid them. Their conversation was inspired by the article written by Professor Tucci entitled How Brands Can Survive Through Digital Transformation. If you'd like to read it, we will link it in the description of the episode. I first asked Chris to summarize what it means for a company to undergo a successful digital transformation. So for a successful, you know, digital transformation, there are lots of moving parts here. <laughs> so it's it's not uh, one, you know, one kind of definition. But what a lot of people think about it is, you know, taking digital technologies that may be out there and sort of incorporating them into all different elements of your business. And so it's not just a question of, you know, having a new product that takes advantage of a digital technology. That might be part of it. But usually when people talk about digital transformation, they're actually referring to using and um, diffusing digital technologies across an entire organization, which may affect the, the workflow, the processes, the new products, new services, and new business models, you know, all, all in one. So to be successful at that, I would say is, you know, it's an awareness 
of digital technology, what's out there right now. Um, how could these be useful for, for our organization? And then how what might we adopt and infuse these digital technologies throughout the whole organization, incorporating them into some kind of digital strategy if it's a for-profit company, you know, that then leads to, um, you know, possibly new opportunities or for sure, uh, some, you know, efficiencies or cost cutting as well. So I would say that's the overall theme of how I think about a successful uh, digital transformation. Also have to define, um, you know, before you actually start the project, it's good that you onboard people to study the business process first. Like, yes, you know, you as is, what is the end state? What is the to be process going to be? Because definitely there will be a changes. You know, many times I feel that they just onboard the technology people. Okay, I want these automators. I tell you, this is as is. You just automate for me. But actually, in actual, it's not the case, yeah? The high level process, it can be break down into different types. For example, we're processing, you know, the data management. We actually need to maintain some of the data. But in actual fact, each of the clients today giving you different type of templates, you know, and then different type of template, how they enter to the system is a different way. But in a high level process, they just tell you that I accept this template in Excel form, I insert into the system. So when you do the automation parts, like, you know, during the configuration, you know, integrity of the challenge. And what is that turned into is, is actually impacted the timelines. They never go back and think that, why don't we standardize the templates? Why don't we go back to our clients and, you know, negotiate with them? Is there a way for us to standardize it so that, you know, you can ease your implementation? I mean, that, that, that is one of the not so successful points. I think that's a great example, you know, because there's so many facets to this and there's an iterative process you know, that, that a successful company would go through to try and understand from a higher level, what is it that you want to do? What are the business processes? And then, you know, to actually have the people, and this is why we also said the people buy-in is so important because imagine if, if all the people, you know, that were involved in this particular business process just didn't say a word, you know, sooner or later you'd end up with this mess because you know, all the different templates that you, that you thought that all these customers needed, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't have been attacked. They wouldn't even possibly not even known about this, <laughs> you know? So without the input of the people, uh, who want to participate and improve things, you know, sort of go to the technology, figure out what's wrong and look at the higher level design of this whole thing, understand it. And then, you know, you can automate it in a, in a good way. And also many times people have wrong perceptions, thought that just like you install the software, it can work, but it's not the way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and it, it, there are lots of interdependencies here. That's why a lot of people, when they talk about digital transformation, they always say, this is not about forcing technology down the throats of everybody in an organization. <laughs> You know, as much as it would be nice, it would be easy to do that, you know, theoretically speaking. But in practice, you know, that doesn't work, you know, with real people uh, who work in this and, and collaborate. You know, it, it doesn't work very well to try and force it down everybody's throat. Better to get some kind of buy-in and what do you want to do with it and what are the steps you're going to take? I think that's quite critical. We are now a few years on from the beginning of the pandemic when we saw a wave of companies rushing to roll out a plan for digital transformation. What's your assessment of the current business landscape? I would say we are merely on par with our key competitors. Those competitors that have digital transformation in place or they already done most of it, uh, they can actually offer lower pricing models. You know, especially those startups company, 
it's easier for them to implement the digital transformations for them. So they actually offer lower pricing model and with a better value added digital service for free. Yeah. And then also they can actually commit a better SLA, you know, because we are actually doing some processing uh, claims, things like that. They actually can have a better turnaround times and with a higher accuracy. That's what the claims. In my company today, not to say that we do not have anything digitalized. We do have some digital initiative. However, right, I just give you an example like mobile apps. Our mobile apps today, we have two versions. One is like mainly for uh, membership. Another one is for loyalty programs. So it's, it's not combined into one. It's like two different programs. That's also because our current business model, you know, the way they sell the products. Once to have uh, implement the mobile apps, we should think of how to streamline our business model, streamline our process as well. That's also one of the challenge here or issue here. So another part is that you know our technology landscape is not ready. Some of it is not ready for automation because we do have some. I would say some documents. It's, it's a paper document. It's not even digitized. It's not in the system. So. When we want to do the automation, we can only do a very small part. Hence, you cannot see the benefits of it. When you want to go through this digital transformation, sometimes, right, you need to see where you should start first. In short, you need to do some impact assessment before you start to kick in. And hence, we are today. Even though we are, we have started our digital transformation three years ago, it's still piece and pieces. Because we run the program individually, I would say. Each team have this initiative, they run themselves. We have our initiative, we run ourselves. But if you want to have a successful digital transformation, it's supposed to come from a program point of view. Yeah, that's really nice. Uh, in my opinion, I think that the overall landscape, I mean, of course, the pandemic forced everybody into doing something, you know? And so it, it accelerated a lot of digital transformation since everybody was essentially working from home <laughs> for a while. And some people are still in 2022, you know, um, working from home or even confined to, to home. So there are companies that made it and there are companies that didn't make it, you know, and I think that a lot of companies, um, you know, went bankrupt, went, went by the wayside. And so you were seeing the survivors now that have done a very nice job. And, you know, some of them may be, you know, piecemeal, as you pointed out. And I think that was because of the crisis mode that everyone was in to, to do something. You know, we have to get, we have to get a, a mobile, uh, for example, a mobile strategy, you know, and we, so we need to, well, what could we make? Well, we could have an app for this. We could have an app for that. Go, go for it, you know? <laughs> and so, um, and I think that's very typical. So I, in terms of my overall assessment of the, you know, the economy or the business landscape, I would say that we're still in the relatively early stages. It's not as if the, the pandemic made everybody into the, this perfect digital success story, but rather they got people to do things that they weren't, that they were maybe thinking about doing 10 years from now. And they started, you know, hustling a bit and they actually got things out the door and they were actually able to transform some business processes, automate some things. And maybe it's not perfectly coordinated yet, but that's, you know, that's what we can expect in the, in the future, I would say. Which companies would you consider to be the greatest success stories of digital transformation? The ones that other businesses can look to for inspiration and perhaps the, the biggest failures? There's quite a bit of uh, success story, right? I think one of it is Adobe. I think they embrace the cloud technology and then they 
they transitioned all their software to clouds and then they started offering the SSAS and also they changed uh, their business model from perpetual license model to subscription model. Yeah, I guess this is something very good. They capture more markets and then they earn more as well. Yeah, that's a, that's a very nice case actually. The one that I usually, you know, I talk about all the time, but I, I think it's quite, it's quite good is, uh, Semex. You know, we talked about that in the, in the course as well. Um, but Semex is, you know, started off being nothing more than, you know, a commodity supplier of cement, <laughs> you know, and has grown. Um, and one could make the argument that because of their digital transformation, they've actually, you know, moved up the value chain or moved up the, the, the food chain a little bit so that they're providing more value-added services in addition to the commodity product, right? So, and that also affected how they were organized internally and how much they used digital technology. So starting from the old days when they were putting sensors in delivery vehicles to try and make a service guarantee for the delivery of the cement, you know, I think that's, you know, that's already a very interesting, you know, value proposition right there for customers up until, you know, the present day, uh, hiring digital ambassadors from all over the world to, to, to be part of their organization, try and figure out how digital technology might fit in, uh, to their current organization, to running, you know, hackathons and getting, you know, input on digital transformation ideas for the whole that were in, you know, open to employees of the company. So I think that overall, they've done a very nice job on the cultural element. On the people element and on the strategy side, so I, I feel like that's a pretty big success story, and they've actually grown to be one of the biggest cement companies in the world at this point. And so, you know, I don't want to criticize any any company. I, you know, they're, everyone's doing their best, but you know, General Electric—that's uh, the typical case that most people think about when you know they think about the failure case or a failure. I mean, it's, I, I think it might be a little too strong to say it's an abject failure because I mean, they're obviously learning other things. They did make, they made some investments, you know? Um, but I guess what a lot of analysts say who thought about this particular case is that, you know, General Electric would try to, uh, sort of import a lot of digital skills or digital talent, which they were great, which they did a great job on. But then, you know, they didn't have the, the connection to the actual businesses. And so it was this kind of a mismatch between the, just, you know, kind of almost a massive injection of digital skills, uh, then trying to match that up with the current markets that they had that didn't, that seemed a little bit like a, of a stretch. I think it's important to have a strike a balance between your digital skills and your legacy skills, as we say, you know, and your, and your legacy skills. People know the markets already. And so, you know, having, like firing everybody and hiring a bunch of data scientists is probably not, that's not what GE did, <laughs> but they did bring in, a, they did, you know, bring in a, a bunch of, you know, a, a lot of people who have digital skills. And so I think it's important to think about it like at the, at the level of the markets or, or the, you know, whatever it is that you're, you know, that you're doing in any organization, like at the lower levels, like how are these digital skills being integrated with what people who know a lot about the the business or the market or whatever it is, you know, and then trying to figure out the best way forward together rather than trying to sort of impose uh, digital technology without necessarily integrating that with the, the market. So that I'd say that would be kind of a lesson learned maybe from this case. A 
According to research, 87% of digital transformations fail. Why is that the case? I think that this is a complex issue. There are many, many things happening in these, diff in these different companies. Um, for sure, we've already discussed a little bit about the people angle on this, like getting the all the stakeholders to buy in uh, to the project. And if you don't have that and you have some sort of you know resistance, then it's going to take a lot longer than if you can actually convince everybody that you're doing this for a good reason. Um, I think one of the key reasons that people resist a lot is that they're afraid of being made redundant because if you're automating something, then they might feel like, oh, you know, there are two ways to think about it, right? One is, oh, this is great. This will take away some of the annoying things I have to do that are repetitive, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I can focus on other things, you know. And then the, the other approach that you, one might have uh, is that you might think, oh, gee, I'm going to automate myself out of a job, you know. So why should I help in any way uh, with trying to pull this off in a, in a timely fashion? So I think that a lot of this... People talk about the people element again, you know, thinking that through, I would say that's a big, big chunk of why these, you know, projects fail. There could be other reasons too. There could be a um, lack of prioritization, trying to do too many things at once, trying to move on too many uh, issues at once, uh, lack of experimentation uh, at a low level before scaling, you know, premature scaling. So I think that there, you know, there are many facets to to digital transformation failure i think the path is you know the path the path isn't that narrow but on the other hand you know all these things these little frictions might drag it out for longer and so at any one point in time it might look as if it's a it's it's a failure uh maybe maybe it will be a failure uh or maybe it just needs to take a lot a lot longer because of you know these different things you know what do you what do you think are some of the reasons why some of these projects uh may not be successful I guess another thing is also unrealistic expectation, or you set the wrong expectation to your to your management and leadership. Like you know, with this um, process improvement or these digital things that you you put in place, you know, we can improve the operational efficiency by fifty percent. You know, you can cut down how many headcounts, and then with this, how much how much money we can, how much profit we can earn. Every time you have this digital strategy, I think everyone just trying to set too high expectation. And then uh, also the timelines given. They always think that, you know, uh, with today's technology, you can actually implement fast enough. But in actual fact, most of the project is actually overrun, cost overrun. The, the leadership team just lost confidence when they put in so much money and they can, they only see a small benefits of it. Uh, that's one thing. Secondly, I think is the implementation model, implementation strategy that we use. I think these days, everyone likes to use Agile. So Agile, actually, you cannot forecast your, your timelines and what you want to deliver. Especially when you throw this Agile concept to the technology teams, right? They were just every day repeating iteration. It can be the same features, but took them quite long to implement because it's Agile. And then when you ask them, when can we deliver certain uh, features or complete the products? It took time sometimes, easily to create some scope creep. There's a couple different points that you raised I think are really good. So the first one is the change management aspect, and I think that's a that's a that's something we always have to remember. You know, this is a process that's going to affect everything in your whole company. You know, and and so without having a treating it like it's a change management pro <laughs> program, you know, <laughs> you know, it it, it 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 it's tricky if you if you don't do that. The second one, I I think I I 
I like your, your point about agile, uh, or, you know, I think agile is, is good in and of itself. Um, but I think what you're saying is that sometimes people think that these, you know, prototypes or quick, quick scoping decisions and things like that might lead to quick, you know, implementation overall. And it's actually takes a lot longer, you know, but, but the point is to try and figure out what's working and what's not working and then scale up, you know, afterwards. But the scaling up is going to take some time in some sense. And it took longer time to complete your final products. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes, you get I me. Mean? So have to plan properly. I, I fully agree. I think that the idea behind experimentation is, is very good. You know, I think that it's actually quite nice. But what's, but what can, you can run into trouble or one can run into trouble with the unrealistic expectations of how do you go from this sort of experimentation mode or this low, you know, um, commitment mode into something that's much bigger that's actually in production. And that, you know, that might take a little bit of time. Yeah. And sometimes I feel that a gel methodology is well fit for software development, but might not be good in certain technology implementation to productions. I think that's true. I think Agile is, was intended for software development as opposed to, you know, other things. Um, the way I like to think about it is more like lean, lean innovation. And lean innovation sort of encompasses, you know, it, it's, it goes beyond the pure software. Like how do you, add features or how do you get quick feedback from the market on a software project to, you know, how do you bounce a prototype or a, a bounce a, a relatively early stage concept off your stakeholders and improve it? Uh, and I think that's, that's, a, that's something that's a little bit more inclusive of an agile versus other things. But you're right. I, I think that, you know, the, the agile development was really intended for the software sector, not necessarily for product development, uh, you know, in a, in a manufacturing company or in a bank or something like that, you know, so I think that's quite, that's quite interesting. I guess at the end, you have to find the best fit implementation approach for your company or for your project, rather than, you know, because of the trend we're using Agile, then we go for it. What advice would you give to companies struggling with their own digital transformation? First, I think you do some root cause analysis. Why is it not so successful? And find out what is the gap. And then, you know, quickly put in place if let's say you found the gaps. Like for example, um, let's say you try to implement a process improvement and you realize that during your implement, why your development implementation took so long? If let's say you found that because we didn't properly study the process, you might need to relook into that as a whole, what is it as is, and then, you know, quickly define and agree with all the key stakeholders, what is the to-be process change that we are going to implement. Yeah, that's one thing. So I think have to find the right root cause of it, and then the gap where you're missing, and then put it into place. And also, like, you know, take the lesson learned from one project, and then when you initiate another new digital, I mean, the small digital project or work stream, you can actually learn from that as well. Yeah, I think that's really good. Uh, if I could add to that, I think that part of it is tackling one piece of this at a time. So tackling the process improvements is typically what most people recommend to start with, you know, rather than trying to, you know, come up with a whole new business model, a whole new market, you know, based on digital technology. Uh, but rather, so don't try and jump into the a later, that will come. 
You know, <laughs> I think that's that's the point. Is it's it's not like it's the only thing that you want to do, but maybe you start out by thinking about what are the business processes that you'd like to automate, that you'd like to try, think about. Um, you know, so I feel like that's something that's that's quite important. Um, I agree. You know, and we talked a bit about it already a little bit about the you know sort of trying a few different things, running some different experiments, and then you know trying to scale. And then we've also discussed a little bit about the buy-in where you can't convince people. Like it could be, if it's a smaller company, it could be that you have investors. You know, it's not just internal stakeholders. There could be, you know, external regulators, you know, whatever. So you try and bring everybody on board with your project and treat it like a change management project. You know, try and understand who are the users and empathize with them. <laughs> and it could be that they're your direct customer. It could be another part of your company. Try and, build some empathy and attack it like that and then you know address the redundancy issue uh which is you know like what is what what are people's jobs going to be looking like when some of these tasks are being automated and see if you can't bring them on board uh to pull it off so i would say that would be you know my main elements of advice to different companies should companies invest in digital transformation even during tough times if so why uh, it's something I've, I've looked at, um, from a diff- couple different points of view. And, um, my usual logic here is that indeed companies should be investing even in tough times, even in a down market. Uh, because, you know, what happens is you can get a little further and further behind, you know, your competitors. And so if you're, if you just stay still just to, Look, I, you know, we want to save money, so let's not go, do anything further, and we'll just try and sell to our current market. Now, your current market's probably, you know, that's why it's tough times. <laughs> you know, there's, there's, um, you know, your sales probably aren't aren't doing that well. So you're trying to think about well, how, what could we do, you know, during this period? Maybe we could invest a little bit more on some sort of process innovation, some efficiency gains, some kind of cost cutting that will actually help us you know, get through these tough times at the same time, reserving a little bit for the future proofing that you're going to need once it, once you come out of this. So my fear is that if a company says, Oh, you know, we have to absolutely cut to the bottom, uh, cut all the fat, you know, and then we don't have any future proofing and then some new opportunity presents itself or some competitor comes in, you know, uh, that's, that's made these investments all the way along. Then you find yourself in an uncompetitive position. And, and, and actually, when I did, did some study on this idea on a very large Italian um, census uh, data, it turns out that the companies that made these consistent investments during a down market actually ended up doing quite, you know, doing much better than the ones that just simply cut back on their activities uh, during the down market. So that's my, you know, my overall um, feeling about investment in in tough times. I don't know, Chen Leng, if you have any other thoughts about you know, should a company uh, should a company continue to invest in digital transformation even during a even in a down market? Uh, what are some of your reactions there? I do agree with you. I think the company shouldn't stop investing. They should continue their innovation, and even though during the down times, that initiative shouldn't stop. But you can actually put less or. You know, like you say, just put a little bit of see what we can improve our operational efficiency rather than you stop thoroughly because you can see that a lot of companies, they actually put a lot of efforts uh, 
into the digital transformations uh, initiative, especially the startup company. Anytime they come out, even eventually it's already happening right now. They come out, they actually gain a better mar uh, market. You know, if you don't want to stay competitive with them and further improve your, bra uh, your brand positioning, I think it's very easy you're being obsolete. You know, when the market turns up, I think you are gone. <laughs> so I, I feel that shouldn't stop. You can start small and see what we can invest right now. And like you say, reserve once when the market is, is gained back, you see. I, I completely agree with that. Yeah, you end up in an uncompetitive position. Basically, it's the same argument that we make for people who don't want to invest yet because they feel like the technology is changing too quickly or something. I, sh I should hold off, you know. And again, it's better to play around with it a little bit <laughs> than it is to completely, you know, hold back. So I think that's the, that's the key here. And the same thing applies in a down market. You know, don't just cut everything because uh, you end up afterwards in a very uncompetitive position. Chen Lang, how did your time at Imperial impact your approach to digital transformation? It definitely opened my mind, yeah. I think last year during the lockdown and also a bit lost in my project. You know, the first day you join the company, people are telling you, I'm lost confidence with you and your team. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> That's rough. <laughs> yeah. You start to ask yourself, you know, like uh, whether I'm doing the right things or not. Suddenly, I come across the nine weeks courses for the digital transformations at uh, Imperial College. I think throughout the course and throughout the case studies, that is a very good experience. Like Not to say it, I can apply one-to-one -to, -one to my project, but it is actually give a uh, very convenience for uh, working people like us. Through the case study, you do some research, then you start to know more about what is happening in the our, I mean, the outside world. Because all the while you are working, you are just facing your problems. And yes, you do some Google, but you are not really in depth into your own research and own studies uh, on others, other other companies and what is happening out there. Real, I mean, in the reality world, besides your own scope of work. <laughs> yeah, I like the case study to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, thanks. Thanks for that feedback. I I'm happy to hear it. <laughs> um, yeah, I, 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 the reason is because I feel like this is a very very interesting topic. You know, I think it's a very important topic and critical almost as you pointed out and we've discussed a little bit. You know, if you're not doing this stuff, you know, you're going to fall behind rather quickly. And so that's why I feel like many, if not most, organizations should probably be thinking about these these topics. And so, you know, and I love your open-minded attitude because I think this is also part of the, you know, how we can get into these things too. You know, think about what, what, what could we be doing that's different? What are these technologies that are out there? How could they be applied and how could we actually, maybe not all of them, maybe there's some, but there's one or two things that we can then use and that's going to help us do whatever we want to do, uh, you know, better. So explore new markets, become more efficient, um, come up with new product services, you know, new business model. And just basically, how is it going to drive our innovation processes? So I think that's why, you know, I love the topic because I've, I've always been interested in information technology. <laughs> and I've always been interested in, you know, the innovation management function. And because I, I feel like that's something that's, that's future proofing somehow. So I think digital transformation is, is future proofing our organizations somehow. And that's why I find it to be highly you know, motivating to, to work in this area. And it's also gratifying to hear, you know, somebody who's, who's working on it and who's th thought about it and who, you know, participated in one of our programs and, uh, you know, and actually using some of the things. So that's actually, you know, very nice um, experience. 
That concludes this Imperial Many Minds conversation. If you enjoyed it and want to explore this topic further, there's an article written by Professor Chris Tucci that expands on the points covered during the discussion. You'll find the link in the episode description. Thanks to our guests, Professor Chris Tucci and the Business School alumnus Chen Lang Chan for sharing their knowledge and experiences. That's it for today. Thank you for joining us in this episode. Make sure to subscribe and share or search Imperial Many Minds to find out more. In the next episode, Dr. Claudia Custodio and alumnus Andrew Fernando will be talking about the role of financial education in having a successful career. The Imperial Many Minds podcast series is brought to you by Imperial College Business School. While others speculate on the future, Imperial College Business School's diverse minds are designing and building it. Imperial means intelligent business. This podcast was produced by Pronk Productions. 